Broadcasting from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your rock star wannabe host, David Strausser, and this is your place to learn how to grow a business during complete global chaos. We've got another amazing episode with you all today. A CEO of a super creative tech company. First, though, remember, if you're watching us on YouTube, you can join the channel. $3 a month. You can become a baby shark. But if giving money through big tech isn't your thing, don't worry. We got you covered. Head on over to the freshest coffee place you can get coffee at delivered to your doorstep deadhousecoffee.com use code shark you'll get 20% off of your order and all the proceeds directly help us making the biggest and best show we possibly can now let's get back to today's show okay we're going to chat with one of the pioneers of entertainment in the internet like a lot of the stuff that we have today really came out of her life's work it's pretty amazing and it's a really awesome uh, career journey i think you're gonna fall in love with the interview especially for all you internet geeks out there okay you're gonna love this this is an amazing kind of internet history story it, it i'm so excited for it so who is today's guest audra gold audra is currently the ceo and founder of verbal for the last 20 years, Audra has worked with early stage startups, building cutting edge technologies that bring game changing ideas to life that grow into scaled businesses. Through many successes and failures alike, Audra has gained a unique and deeply informed perspective in building and scaling digital products in several tech verticals, utilizing various web based technologies with teams of all sizes. You know, and I need to add this right here, okay? I'm also the ambassador of sales for their sizzle reels, and we do some playlists and stuff like that on Verbal, as well as every time that we post a new episode, you can find Sharkbite Biz right there on Verbal, and we actually have some clips there too. We usually have, uh, I think, two clips per episode, a four or five, six minute clip, and then usually like a two minute clip as well too. So I'm gonna shut up now. Let's bring Audra on in here. Creative and innovation tips. Audra, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You just became Shark Bait. Nice. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, excellent. Uh, you okay. seem thrilled. <laughs> I am thrilled. I am thrilled. <laughs> there you go. That's the reaction we're looking for. So we have a tradition here with the show. Okay, very first question, we always ask you, you know, what's your experience? What's your background? Basically, tell us what makes Audra, Audra. Right, well, I, um, first and foremost, I guess I identify as an internet veteran. I fell in love with the internet in, uh, you know, in the 90s when I was in college. And I love, you know, saw this massive potential for how it would change, you know, life as we know it. And mm -hmm. I 
immediately just started building stuff online as fast as I could and, and surrounding myself with people with like-minded, uh, you know, kind of passions and ideas. And I started working in digital media right out of college and was my first mentor. My first job was really with, with one of the founding um, members of one of the first kind of portals online. And so she was also one of the first email marketers and was one of the early pioneers in advertising. And so I kind of really got to learn a lot from her and that was in Chicago. And then I went on to Silicon Valley and worked at digital media company there called Snowball at the time and went through, you know, went public and we were launching websites every week and building ad tech back in the day. And, and really I was hooked to hook from there for life. And wow, that was back in the, the heyday when all those internet companies were going public, wasn't it? Oh yeah. We, I have some great stories about, you know, the parties and the, oh, I, <laughs> the I could imagine. And, yeah. There was you know, some the, crazy the, stuff going on. I think there is, if there's one regret I have, I think it's that my parents did not make me just maybe five or six years earlier. Cause I, I was like just on the cusp of missing that. I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah. So it was fun. You know, I worked with some of the, you know, pioneers of kind of consumer internet back in the day and um, went, went from there on to, you know, launching, you know, online gaming products of Vivendi Universal and doing subscription programs. And I managed an e-fax product for a while, which is an online faxing uh, company, which is still massive public company and owns lots you of- You said e-fax. e-fax. yeah. Yeah. I- I I, oh. I know EFX used to have it for years because, you know, yeah. that that's one of those simple products that it's like, you know, telephone over like you just take for granted these days. But years ago, mm-hmm. I mean, that was really I mean, innovative at the time. It. Everyone yeah, had an Yeah, it was amazing. And I'll tell you, I worked with some brilliant executives there, um, Hemi Zucker, to be specific. And we... Mm-hmm. You know, we were a public company and that model was so beautiful. There was a very clean and crisp acquisition, you know, model through search and some advertising. And we always had these beautiful margins. And I just, I really learned a lot about how to build a, a big paid audience at that company. Yeah. And, you know, so hundreds of also, millions of dollars a year. Yeah. Revenue. So great lessons there. And I was spending <laughs> time at weddings. It was a lot know? easier. Yeah. A lot easier back then, I think, you know, to acquire the cup, uh, customers online and make those huge margins compared to today. Well, yeah. I mean, it was a very multifaceted strategy. But yeah. We had IP and patents that we would litigate. And so we could take Ooh. over firms that had audiences and we would buy media properties for cheap audience to convert into paid. So there was a very, you know, strategic multi-pronged. I thought it was pretty brilliant strategy going on there. But Learned a lot there and, and went on um, from there to, to uh, another uh, media company called Break, which was one of the pioneers in, in kind of viral video. They're kind of neck and neck with YouTube in the early days. And we had, you know, 1.5 billion reach at our peak and had invented a lot wow. of video ad tech around UGC video, you know, viral video, the stuff that kind of TikTok is today. We were, <laughs> we were kind of the original TikTok and curated homepage with all the top 10 viral videos of the day. And we used to manipulate videos to make them go viral, all the stuff. And so learned a lot, <laughs> a lot about how to make content viral on the internet back then. So and you're the person I can blame for TikTok that it sounds like. Well, I mean, we, we, <laughs> we did make a lot of uh, strides and, and yeah, I mean, like I said, yeah. it was really 
us in, in, um, you know, YouTube, YouTube kind of won that race when they let people embed their videos on MySpace, which if you remember MySpace, mm-hmm. that that's what really made made, uh, YouTube take off was that embeddable yeah. video on MySpace. And so spent several years at break doing a lot of ad tech. We were launching YouTube channels. We were building web properties, you know, targeted at young males and, and just had a lot of fun there. And then went on to a couple startups in video, did a video platform called Fourth Wall Studios, where we did interactive video with second screen engagement. We won a, the first interactive uh, Emmy. It was a, it was a, a primetime Emmy for, for best um, uh, creative, uh, it was digital creative. I can't even remember achievement in digital creative or something. But so that was fun. We got acquired by our main investor there. So that was a quick run. And then I ended up at Pluto TV after that, which was a, you know, linear, linear platform. We kind of brought TV back to the internet. So you could just kind of channel surf, but you know, we queued it up and and curated and put ads. Pluto TV is pretty cool. Yeah. That's what I like. It gave me that TV feel that I think a lot of other TV, you know, digital TV networks at the time, they weren't doing it like that, where you had channel guides and that linear feel like you're on a, like, Regular Comcast, you know? It's easy. It's just easy. Instead of hunting and pecking through, you know, search results and whatnot, we just made it Mm -hmm. easy. If you want to watch surfing, here you go. Here's 20 hours of great surfing content. Have fun. And so, that's awesome. uh, yeah. And that was really the big, you know, when Connected TV really started taking off. So it was very appropriate for that kind of living room environment. And so we were Mm -hmm. able to to uh, make, you know, some early, early gains there. And, 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 uh, you know, ended up being acquired by Viacom a couple of years ago. But but I spent some time after that in an ad tech company called Rubicon Project, which is Magnite now, and um, and another small publishing company in the health space that was venture funded. Long story short, ended up starting a uh, consulting firm called Product N, where I was helping early stage startups build their first products, bring them to market, and then you yeah. know build a team around it. And I had done it so many times over through the years that I um, really have become quite good at taking an idea and, you know, bringing it to market uh, as a kind of in a head of product role. I've been a head of product working closely with designers and engineers pretty much my entire career. So, so that's, I was doing that when I, when I was really, you know, coming from the video space, I solved a lot of problems in video, video distribution, video consumption online, monetization of that Mm -hmm. video, helping creators monetize. I became a very avid consumer of audio through, you know, kind of the, you know, 20, the 20 teens, whatever. And I noticed, you know, in 2019, I was just driving and hunting around my phone, looking for something good to listen to and realizing, you know, kind of an epiphany, like, why is this so hard? Why do I have 10 (laughs) apps for 10 different kinds of audio? I can't even find anything on Google. You can't share anything audio on social. Like, why is audio so archaic on the internet? There's mm-hmm. no reason. We fixed all these problems for video years ago. Why has audio stayed so far behind? And so that's where I just kind of like, wow, like audio needs a big cleanup. We got to clean up audio. We got to do to audio what we did to video over a decade ago to make it, you know, yeah. one, easy to consume, easy to discover, you know, as a creator, easy to build an audience around it, easy to... As a buy ad buyer, easy to advertise around it, mm-hmm. easy to measure those ads and the effectiveness of those ads. 
all of those things were missing from the audio ecosystem. And so it's not defined. It, it really wasn't defined that I, I don't know. My personal take on it is, you know, you look at things like podcasts, stuff like that. I think there was just kind of confusion. Like, Hey, where does that, is that like a digital radio show? Like where do these yeah. things I mean, actually about, fall? Talk about you know? stunted growth. You know why we have podcasts mm -hmm. because Steve jobs had a iPod concept yeah. Before the internet, you know, was it was, you know, before we all had smartphones. And so I want to make my iTunes, you know, compatible with spoken word content. So I'm going to create this thing that's a podcast that's just spoken word, but I'm going to deliver it the same way I deliver my iTunes to your device. So you have to mm -hmm. download it. Archaic, right? We don't mm -hmm. download content anymore. We stream it. So we got right. into this downloading ecosystem, which is inherently limiting for a million different technical and, uh, you know, usability reasons. But so, so there we were, we were stuck because of this podcast, you know, concept that Steve Jobs invented and created a podcast app that kind of monopolized that distribution, you know, of that type of, of content. And so no one really touched that in a that distribution system for deck over a decade, right? Everyone just kind of adopted it without really thinking about, right. oh, does this make sense? Does this scale? Is this ultimately right. discoverable to take downloadable pieces of content, pepper spray the same metadata across thousands of directories uh, yeah, and hope yeah. and pray that somebody finds it in the category they're looking for it in? I mean, it just makes yeah. no sense. And so- I, I, I can I, give you a direct comparison if you if you want to hear it. I mean, yeah. this show on YouTube, I mean, each episode airs. Right now, we're about 4,500 views per episode within about the first 72 hours. And then it's slower uh -huh. growth after each new one's released. Now, if you compare that with the first seven days of the audio, it's a fraction, a very small fraction of the growth and it is for the exact same reason you're saying youtube audience is much more concentrated um where you know they have everybody there it's essentially one live directory where on the audio side it is so archaic and you know there's like 50 different places you have to submit and maintain the list. And God forbid you need to change something like your RSS feed. Oh my God, I did that I once. Know. Hoopla, everywhere. I mean, we like, look, we used RSS feeds back in 2000, 2001 to distribute yeah. content because that at the time, 20 years ago, was the most efficient way to do it. We have yep. since in every other medium come up with much better ways to build audiences around content. Right. Oh, yeah. First and foremost, you need a singular destination that is indexed in Google that Google can give authority to. And that's why YouTube does so well. Right. Your content living mm -hmm. on YouTube, one, it has a lot of inherent like absorbed authority from YouTube just to begin with. But you've also got a lot of metadata, a lot of engagement data, a lot of related data around your content. That well, yeah, it helps when I write an article. When I write an article on Forbes, I always try to link to one of my videos and refer to someone of that course. I had in you a podcast interview. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so if you want to have authority in business, you know, business advice, you know, business mm -hmm. leader interviews, well, you've got to build a whole ecosystem around a singular destination to make sure that you're found under these keywords, right? 
Mm-hmm. Major missing piece. You're destroying your ability to find author- to create authority anywhere if you're pepper spraying duplicative content across thousands of locations on the internet. That is the most okay. like, fundamental piece of broken, you know, functionality in RSS distribution. And it's why, you know, mm-hmm. the only the biggest survive in that ecosystem. If you've got yeah. a media machine getting you in the top 20 of the comedy category on Spotify and on Apple, then good for you. You're golden. <laughs> but if you're yeah. not that person, good luck getting a thousand downloads, right? Mm-hmm. And so and it's also doesn't Google's algorithm it frowns upon duplicate content. I absolutely. mean, just like if I if I have a website and I make two websites, even two different domains, but they're the same exact copy and paste content, you know, that's getting dinged by Google, Google gets right confused. there. They're like, uh, right. we don't know. This is this we can't tell what's real, what's good, what's not, and eh, let's mm-hmm. let's not even rank it. Yeah, that's a right. huge problem. And the, and now we're just talking about one channel that people discover content, search. RSS right. destroys that concept, right? The secondary piece of what the problem with podcasting, you know, besides the downloading to your local device piece, is it's not really shareable. It's long form chunks of content that you can what link to from from you know your Facebook or your Twitter and say, hey, mm-hmm. go to one of these 10 locations download it are you making fun of my my social media post right there this is what everyone does this is not just you (laughs) download it scrub forward to this awesome 30 minute mark i'm talking about that's the viral bit right and like good luck getting people to do that at scale we've already learned from 20 years of watching humans behave on the internet humans don't do that on the internet humans like quick short hits of content to sample before they commit to the bigger thing right And so, you know, short form is a major missing piece, embeddable short form, shareable short form, missing Mm -hmm. piece. That's how you tease out your content. That's how you get people interested. You can get a million people to click on a 30 second piece of content. You cannot get a million people to click on a one hour piece of content in a social context. And so you just inherently have more reach and more listens mm -hmm. with the short form teaser that has a quick payoff, right? Compared to an hour long whatever you know uh, mixed in define, piece in, de- in an hour define short firm like for example with me and actually your company verbal has mm-hmm. motive i've been wanting to do this for a long time which is make promo cl- clips of the episodes yes, and publish them and it's you know it, we're bootstrapping me and my son produced the show and and you know it, it gets tough sometimes but Anyways, we, uh, you know, we've been wanting to do it and it wasn't until I saw your innovative feature as far as the snippets and signed up. Yeah. Yeah. Signed up for an ambassador that I started also snipping the the video for them as well, too. And in social media, they're doing pretty, pretty good. We're doing between four and usually maybe six minutes on average. Yeah. So, you know, short form. So so I come from viral video, right? What we learned in video. (laughs) Usually, you know, under the two minute mark is what does the, the most shares, right? I mean, okay. TikTok had TikTok took this to another level and said, you know what, yeah. 30 seconds, do your best. Now they're, of course, elongating those 30 seconds for certain creators. But, um, but you know, the shorter, the, the shorter, the, you know, the, the quicker you get to that payoff, the, you know, the more, the more virality it's going to have, because you're going to have more people getting the payoff, enjoying it, wanting someone else to experience that payoff. So, you know, when you think about, 
clipping, especially for Twitter context, you know, some, somewhere where people are very, you know, very kind of like, uh, you know, uh, short attention span, let's say. Right. Uh, you want it, you want it, you want to click and you want to frame it really well and say like, you won't believe what this person said when I asked them this question and just let them click play, get to that payoff or tease out the payoff, get to, you know, right before the payoff and say, listen to the rest of listen, you know, get the full story yeah. on, on our full episode. And they send them off to like wherever, you know, in our case, if we send them off to verbal, you know, to consume the full thing or, you yeah. know, in, in the, in the archaic world of, 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 of yesterday, of yesterday, you know, you're going to send them to one of 20 places that you have your, your podcast. Right, right. But, um, so I make, I make two clips. I mean, the only audio clip I have right now of each episode is actually found on verbal. And then in addition to that, we have the video clips and that's kind of what, um, you know, we use for the, on um, YouTube and the other social platforms, yeah, but yeah. it's worked out pretty good because it also allows me to kind of go out there and promote the video uh, you know the episode a second time then other than the initial posting we do two episodes a week so you yeah. know we constantly are promoting a new episode in that flow yeah. um and it, it, it was pretty pretty cool i mean i liked the platform i found it innovative i found it different and i really kind of like what you're doing but it is an archaic field there are a lot of players. I mean, you have Spotify going hardcore with people like Joe Rogan now to uh, the mean, Podcast Connect, all that stuff. I, I mean, mean, how yeah. do you think Verbal fits in there? Well, what you're seeing with the Spotify strategy is very much what you see with an HBO strategy, a Netflix strategy. It's a premium content platform mm -hmm. that wins when they have exclusive content that people want to pay for, right? Right. So, Obviously, Spotify makes the vast majority of their money in subscriptions. Spotify has an interest in locking more and more content up behind a paywall. If you don't want the paywall, you can listen to commercials. There's nothing really there for creators at that point, right? Because if they're going to focus on getting you out of commercials, how do you start to compensate the creators, right? How do you compensate right. the, the, uh, the audio mm. creators? There's a whole model around music, which every musician will tell you is completely unfair. And none of them feel like they're, they're fairly compensated in the stream. We've space. had the Brian Bender. People like Spotify, but that's a whole different yeah. story. We won't get into. Uh, we had but, the verb pipe on here. Brian Vander told us uh, 4 million plays of uh, the freshman got uh -huh. him i think it was like 60 bucks or something yeah and in youtube world if you got four thousand four million if you got four million plays on a video and so you had an average cpm of let's say five dollars you would make twenty thousand dollars on those plays in a wow. youtube world and so that's why the youtube model is so superior to these archaic you know, music streaming models and, you know, mm -hmm. those came out of nightmares of business models. But, but beyond that, it's like, when you look at podcasting, it's like, great. If you're at the top of your, you know, if you're again, backed by a huge publisher, you got signed by Wondery or, you know, you, you got signed by Spotify because you're Joe Rogan, or, you yeah. know, you happen to be a big celebrity with a name or, you know, a big influencer, you're going to get signed into an ad network where you're going to make great ad money, right? But it's also right. inherently limited because of the way that the ads are inserted. So even if you're making, let's say you have a million downloads a month, you go sell last month's numbers. This is also a very archaic thing in the audio. Right. In digital real time, you sell every impression you have. 
right? You don't know how many mm-hmm. you're going to have, but you can sell every future impression that you have because of the nature of programmatic and in mo- right. open market. If you have a podcast, you're selling last month's numbers. So I have a million downloads last month. I'm going to go do my native ad sales and say, I got a million, you know, a million downloads. How much do you want to give me for those million people that download? And by the way, you don't even know how many of those million people listen to your content. So right, right. That that is a huge problem because it's showing that, you yes. downloads, not too. plays. <laughs> yeah. Right. Advertisers are are very savvy, and which is again why there's so little relatively small amounts of dollars going into native advertising and and you know, even dynamic insertion. Mm-hmm that's inserted at the time of download, people that download don't necessarily listen to that ad. They don't get there. They don't, they don't get to minute 20. They don't get to minute 40. So, so anyway, why do, point is, why is do numbers, numbers? Yeah. I was going to say, why do numbers also vary between different platforms? Like for example, I have mine hosted on Podbean. Those numbers are different than some of the analytic sites. I'll get like chartable that has an embedded link before the download, stuff like that. It seems like, I don't know, to lack, me, like numbers aren't of, adding up. Lack of standards is the number one. Is, Everybody's doing their wow. counting their own ways. The Wait. internet is inherently very inconsistent in terms of just tracking generally. This is why things like the IAB exists for ad delivery, right? So mm-hmm. streaming, when you stream from the cloud, is the only sure way to know exactly what is being consumed and how much of it is being consumed. If you're not streaming, okay. you're not going to know how what people are doing with your content for the most part. Sometimes right. you can track things within a player context. So I downloaded it to my device. And as long as I play it through that player, you know, you'll see how far I got in it. But as soon as I, maybe I downloaded it on three different apps. You don't know if I finished, started it here and finished it on another app. You have no idea mm-hmm. again, which is right. why centralization like YouTube and streaming like YouTube mm-hmm. are so again, superior to the, to the current model. And so when you also think about the way podcasts are sold, it's kind of a one-time sold and done, right? You're like, again, there's some caveats here. I'm talking in generalizations right. and Somebody, somebody's going to contact you from someone that sells podcast ads and be like, wait, that wasn't exactly accurate. Yes, there are caveats. I'm talking generalizations, everyone. Right. 80-20 rule. Exactly. So if I I have a a million downloads, I get to sell my new episode this month. I sold you a million impressions. Again, who knows how many got delivered. But Mm -hmm. guess what? I might have that, that, that piece of content from last month. That might go viral in two weeks or two years because I got famous or some event happened. Right. Now everybody's going back and listening to it. I'm making no money on any of those appara- on those additional listens, right? Again, huge right. inefficiency on the monetization side. If that was streaming on YouTube and my video went viral two years later, I'm making tons of money two years later. It doesn't matter that I, you know, didn't get popular the day that I published it. And so, and, yeah. so, and likewise, that's a great point. If you're popular now, and you have a back catalog of five years, you can't go resell the, all those five years of episodes. But what you can do now with verbal, we can host those. You can clip them up and say, you know what? I'm popular now. I'm going to start putting sizzle reels together. Best interviews I've ever made. Put a, a playlist together of five, 10 minute interviews all in a row. Oh, these are my funniest bloopers. Make sizzle reels of funniest bloopers. Oh, this is all the times I ever talked about, you know, uh, you know, food, you know, uh, restaurant business, you know, interviews, and these are mm-hmm. all my restaurant, whatever, you can start to chop these things up, you can re monetize them. Because again, we, we we're streaming these snippets. 
We can put ads around that two minute clip. We can put ads around the five minute clip. We can put ads around an hour long clip. So we, it's infinitely more flexible in kind of re-monetizing or, you know, reinvigorating kind of older content. So, so that, again, is that just around the clips though, or is that around the full podcast episodes themselves? So we can do, I mean, if you claim your podcast on our, on our platform, then we will stream the content. Business claimed. And so, yeah, so we can do pre-roll, we can do mid-roll if you'd mm -hmm. like, we can do post-roll and, you know, we can do every 15 minutes, we can do every 20, we can do, you know, we, we can, we'll come up with a cadence for what's appropriate for, for the audience. But, but right mm -hmm. now we're just doing pre-roll. 30% of all the plays on verbal right now are around short form, if you can believe it, 30%. Wow. Our session times are longer than most audio platforms out there in terms of how much time people are spending on the platform, but they're listening to a short form content. They're not coming and listening to an hour. They're listening to several five minute clips, right? So, you know, that that's interesting that you say that because a lot of times I, I have a Spotify subscription just for Joe Rogan, but uh, a lot of times it'll start on YouTube. I'm up there. I'm uploading a video and it's like, of oh, course. okay. I see his uh, Joe Rogan clips right there. And I see, wow, okay. This seems like it was a hot interview. I want to listen to the whole thing. And then I end up in Spotify to listen to the whole episode. And I have to listen to like all 10 commercials at the beginning of the uh, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's pretty brutal. And, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's something else. Uh, another cool thing clips have done for us too. It's just, just like making things, you know, creators more discoverable. So we have a big curation mm -hmm. team, right? We're picking through like all the true crime stuff and we're snipping out some good mm -hmm. parts. And we're saying, you know, we have a toy box killer, you know, sounds of the toy box killer playlist. That's like, really popular. And so we have cool. all these different clips from like 20 different podcasts in it. People are coming in on search. People are searching for clips from toy box killer. They don't know, you know, they're not looking for a specific podcast. They want to hear about the toy box killer. All of a sudden they're landing on verbal. They're listening to 10 different podcasts in one session. So they're getting exposed to all these podcast creators. And now they're like, Oh my God, I love this creator. Now I'm going to go over there, subscribe to their station. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, You've acquired a new listener that way just because you showed up on a playlist that someone was searching for that had content that an someone was searching for. An so. innovative way for discovery and also to kind of reuse content because, like you're saying, you know, this stuff oftentimes sit out sits out there forever and it's just collecting dust. And let's just go on and, and on. Right, and you're yeah. able to be able to repurpose that and slice and dice a million different things. Like on most of my episodes, I could probably make like 50 different clips on a 40 minute long totally. video as far as, you know, different segments or pieces of advice. So real quick, we do got to get wrapping up. I want to ask you, what is the future of the podcasting and audio industry? Well, I, I, I do make a very bold prediction when I say this, but I foresee RSS distribution going away over the next five years. I think it doesn't exist anymore because it doesn't make sense. And I have watched and been a part of the deep internet and the content distribution system since, you know, the late nineties, I have watched the most efficient way to do things wins on the internet every time over the long term. RSS distribution for all the reasons we just talked about is not efficient enough 
for the internet to thrive. Mm -hmm. So it goes away and it's replaced. It's just like, you know, back in the day before we were all on YouTube, I was at break. Do you know what we did with our videos? We had a little syndication tool. We used to put our little videos in a syndication tool. I can't remember what the companies were called. Mm. We used to send our videos to a hundred different video publishing sites, right? As a progressive download, same content. We used to do the same thing in video that they're doing in podcasts. As soon as there was a better way to do it, guess what? We all stopped doing it the old way. And so we are presenting a better way to do things. This is a long game we're playing. This is not a verbal wins overnight. This is a long game. It takes a lot of time to change habits, you know, technology habits and, you know, consumption. Ad buyers are just now getting on board with buying real-time programmatic audio. Real-time programmatic Mm -hmm. is the way that video advertising grew. It's the way that display advertising grew before Mm -hmm. it. It's going to be the way that audio advertising grows next. And so that's just... If you, if you are into pattern recognition and you can learn from the history of the internet. Probably a couple of listeners are. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think all the, the, there's no need to have podcast hosting anymore, right? You're going to go to yeah. verbal and upload your content or you're going to get a deal with Spotify and they're going to host your content and they're going to charge mm-hmm. for it because you're a big star, you know, or you're going to get on yeah. iHeart. You're going to be the next Howard Stern on iHeart, or you're going to be, you know, and you might use. You know, I use clips and you're going to promote your new Howard Stern show on verbal, mm-hmm. but it's going to be behind a paywall on iHeart or it's going to be behind a paywall right. on Sirius or sorry, Howard Stern's on Sirius, but you know yes. what I mean? So, yeah, no, that's interesting yeah. because what I'm hearing there is even if, you know, some player, some podcast host, some show, whatever it is, is behind the paywall on another site, they're still able to use verbal as a tool yep. to promote and still able to generate revenue yeah. off those clips too. Right. When you want to go to a movie or you want to, you know, do yep. I, Oh, do I want a, I, I love game of Thrones, but I mean, I, I heard, I heard game of Thrones is great. I'm going to go watch a bunch of trailers on YouTube and decide if it I was to the last episode, HBO. <laughs> except for the last, well, I couldn't even <laughs> yeah. see the last episode. So I don't know. I don't yeah, know. What yeah. Yeah. Oh, the last there season. you go. It was so dark, whatever. Yes, but, um, yes, yes. But no, my point is, is like, yes, how does HBO leverage YouTube to promote? How does everyone leverage YouTube to promote? They put clips and teasers and behind Mm -hmm. the scenes and you create a relationship with your consumers on YouTube and you send them somewhere else. If you want to take their money, you want to get their credit card. Great. Bring them over to HBO, bring them over to Spotify, bring them over to Sirius, take their money there. For verbal, you can just get awareness, you get, you know, lead gen, you can do all the stuff that you could do, you know, in the video world, but just with audio. So. That's, yeah, that's, no, it's been yeah. it's been an amazing experience for me so far. It's definitely, I guess you could say, sparked a little fire under the butt to <laughs> help me get to innovate and start doing the things that yeah. I needed to do for this show. And as I've started using it, I've just fallen more and more in love with the platform. In fact, whenever I publish new episodes, it's always got iTunes, Spotify, and I kicked off Google Podcasts and I put verbal right there. Oh, nice. Thank you. That's yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, and I, and stay tuned. Like snippets. We're just getting started with a lot of cool stuff. We're going to do a short form. We're seeing, we've seen so much success and just all, we all come from, from video. So we know how well short form does for discovery. So we have a lot of big plans for helping creators get discovered through their short form audio. And so, yeah, stay tuned. We have well, a lot coming in that, in that direction. So I got, I got one final question though. Considering that everybody comes from the video background, 
What about bringing on the full-blown vodcast? Is that a possibility ever as far as getting, because this is a video and audio show. It's a vodcast I mean, I'm not going to say, I never say never. I never say <laughs> never. You know, right now we're very focused on audio, you know, but, but absolutely there's always, you know, there's, there's, there's always, always room to innovate down the road. Yeah, right, exactly. right, right. So yeah. where can we, where, where can we find Verbal at? Tell us how we could track down your software or your your site. Start with the website because that's the easiest place to go unless you really don't like going on the web. You can go to the iOS store, but it's verbal, V-U-R-B-L.com. And as you know, it's a a play on on a kind of the spoken word and, and kind of, you know. So the the ideas that the what's inside your head not not outside on your body kind of like focus so so yeah it's a uh, verbal.com okay and you got a an app as well too i believe now there's or... an ios app in iOS, the yeah. yep, apple store and we'll be launching android hopefully in another month or so we've been um trying to, to galaxy s21 ultra is okay, dying yeah, for the verbal waiting. app get yeah. me on the beta oh. We'll, we'll, we'll absolutely get you on the beta. So we'll, we'll get have me on a, the alpha. There you go. Have a test flight. We'll, yeah. What, what, yeah, what yeah. A hey, hey, this has been awesome. Your career is definitely a product of the internet as we have all grown up with it. Amazing yeah. backstory to hear. You're doing really awesome things with verbal. Thank you for coming on, sharing the story about how you want to innovate, how everybody consumes audio. Thank you, Aja. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yep. Cheers. Wow. That was an awesome chat with Audra, right? First, you all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if it sparked some warm and fuzzies, do me a favor, hit that like button, smash that subscribe button. But if you really want to help us out, okay, Shark Bite Biz is the greatest kept secret out there in the business world. Share us out. I'd love nothing more than verbal. Audra Gold and Shark Bite Biz out there trending. Help your friends discover this show. Okay, now let's get back to our rock star guest, Audra. That was a super awesome conversation. Totally, totally love it. And really, I've got to say, I'm quite astonished by Audra's career. Her life has been amazing. Don't get me wrong, okay? Uh, hindsight is 2020. Looking back on it, it's easy to say, like, wow, you're accomplished. But I tell you what, in that moment, you know, it's probably an uphill battle the whole time trying to get people to adopt new technologies, trying to get new technologies to work, you know, in real time, given you know, the the restricted, I guess you could say how the technology was more limited back then, you know, slower internet speed, slower computers, stuff like that. But ultimately, it comes down to I think she won. I mean, I feel she is a product of the internet age. And a lot of the basic tech that we really take for granted today on the internet had its roots on some of the projects that Audra worked on or has been part of. And that is totally incredible. You know, thank you, Audra. I, you know, can say talking with you a couple of things that I've used and benefited from that you were a part of and kind of helped evolve. So in the podcast world, distribution is a mess. I mean, seriously, you have to send your podcast out to a million different sites. And God forbid you make a mistake and you have to correct something. Who knows if Apple, Spotify, or any of the other podcast sites 
will actually pull the updated listing. A lot of times they're just pulled once and they stay like that. And the only way to kind of get it back is to pull the episode out and republish it. And being a small podcast show that we are, I've had it happen once or twice and it's not a cool thing to happen. But as Audra said, you know, it, it's extremely archaic. There are no set of standards, and it really creates a mess for podcasters and listeners alike. For video, it's easy. YouTube, for the most part. Now, there's other alternatives like um, Vimeo or uh, BitChute and places like that, but it's really mostly YouTube. When I promote our YouTube videos, we get amazing results. With the audio podcast, though, we get a fraction of listeners because it's just so decentralized. And that's where Audra, using her earth-shaking ability that has proven successful in the video world, really took a giant leap into the audio world to try to standardize it and help podcasters get monetized and to make it easier for listeners to find shows of value. Audio shouldn't be downloaded every time, like she says. I mean, yeah, you need to have the option. Say you're going to be in a flight or whatever. You want to have it downloaded to listen. But you really should have streaming audio, okay? Because that's how you can find out exactly how long have people listened to the show. What metrics can you get out of there? Where are they dropping off at? Do they not like my intro and they just skip to the interview? Do they, you know, not like the outro? Who knows? Um, but you can't get that off of the way that the current podcast system is set out. And that's just some of the problems that Audra and Verbal are setting out there to really fix. You have to search results, you know, from so many sites. And therefore, it's hard for podcasts like Shark Bite Biz to really rank up there in the top podcast on the audio version again youtube version we're doing great we're fine i love it i'm happy with our growth you know we're getting a couple hundred new subscribers every single episode it seems so we're doing the right thing with that and i think that's where we're going with all of this i think that's really the point of what audra is trying to say like why should i have to maintain 50 different podcast sites, okay? It should be one centralized location. And, you know, that's where I believe what Audra, her team, her mission is, is kind of shake this up. And they're doing amazing things. I'm really glad to be a part of it. I'm a big proponent of shaking things up. I support Verbal with my whole heart. And in fact, look down below into the description uh, instead of the typical verbal.com link where I would put, I am going to put SharkBiteBiz's link right down there for verbal. It'll take you to our homepage, but obviously you can go around the site and find alternative shows, podcasts, sizzle reels, like she was saying. There's a lot of cool stuff that came out of this interview. So the question of the day what do you think of the current distribution network of podcasts? Leave a comment down below. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. You want to be on the show? Interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. Please don't forget to join the channel. It's $3 a month to become a baby shark. 
Or, you know, head on over to deadhousecoffee.com, use code SHARK, get 20% off your order, and you'll get fresh coffee delivered to your doorstep. Y'all know this by now, but I'm David Strasser. This is Shark Fight Biz. We'll see you all next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.